0: All right, guys, welcome to the Property Profits Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bryce Kaminsky, filling in for Dave Dubow. And if you've ever wondered how an initial investment in a single family home can evolve into a real estate empire spanning Arizona and Costa Rica, our guest today, Shiloh Lundahl, has cracked the code from flipping houses to strategic property sales. His journey is a masterclass in real estate success. Welcome to the show, Shiloh. Thrilled to have you share your insights with us. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks for uh, having me on your show today. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, how did you how did you get started in this thing? Because real estate is it's an interesting journey, but a lot of times um, it all starts with a book or a, a class. So, what what got you inspired to get started in real estate investing? So,
1: uh, for me, it was it was a book. It was back in 2010. Um, I was reading the the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which a lot of people kind of start their real estate journey that way. And um, the prices were really depressed in the area which I was living in, which was Arizona. And so I was, I had a neighbor who was a a realtor and I was listening to the book on audio and they thought, you know, I'd really like to get an investment property to get a rental. And Mm -hmm. so um, there was a lot of, you know, properties on the market in my neighborhood. And so I was looking and I found one. It was a large property. It was like five bedroom, three bath. This was in Arizona, a place called Santan Valley. And uh, it was like 2,500 square feet selling for 90, what was it, like Mm $93,000. And so I knew of a family that used to live in our neighborhood, moved away, wanted to move back. So I talked with them and I said, hey, if I bought this property, would you guys want to live in it and rent it? And they said, yes, they, they'd really like to do that. So I I had the family and then I bought the property and then I had tenants and they were great tenants for like four or five years. And that was my kind of initial getting into real estate. And then after that, um, I didn't really do anything else with real estate for the next several years. I started listening to Dave, to Dave Ramsey, who wanted to get out of debt and all of that. And so, We did that (laughs) and then um, i i'm a therapist by trade and so i'm a child and family therapist i work with a lot of families and um the building that i had my practice in at the time was coming up for sale and i really liked the the location and so i wanted to remain there and so i talked with the other therapists in the office and i said hey Would you mind if I work towards buying the building? And I I don't think that any of them thought that, you know, I'd be able to do it. And so they're like, sure, you know, whatever. But I actually did. I I went and I worked with the seller's realtor and I got a family member to come in and help with the down payment. And I was able to purchase the building that I have my therapy practice in, that I still have my therapy practice in. And so that kind of rekindled this idea of, you know, doing more in real estate. So then I went back to the Rich Dad Poor Dad book, and I wondered, I wonder if there's any other books that Robert Kiyosaki wrote. Oh, and sure. you know, lo and behold, he has a whole series of books. And so I started yeah, listening. Yeah, so I started listening to Cashflow Quadrant, which, in my opinion, fantastic book. Really loved that book, mm-hmm. and started listening to some other books. And then I talked with the buddy who helped me buy that property back in 2010, and I said, Hey, and you know, I'd like to do a real estate investment. And he said, Well, I got. I got something coming up. If you want to lend on that, then you could you know, do the deal with me. So mm-hmm. I was the lender and I helped purchase the property and I watched how he was able to get it under market value, how we rehabbed it and how we, we took a property that we bought for like 110 and put like 30 into it and made it so that it valued 195 is where we sold it. He made like wow. 40 40,000, I made like uh, 10 or 13,000 and he didn't use any of his own money. He only used my money, but I was really happy. because I made $13,000 as my first like flip kind of project. And, and so that kind of shifted something in my mind that said, wow, I can make $13,000 in two months. This is a big deal. This is something that, that doesn't just, I mean, it completely changed the way that I, I viewed Possibilities of making money, mm-hmm. you know, what I mean? and so it was really, really cool. And so I decided, huh, let me, let me try, let me see if I can do something else. And so I go off and I do a deal on my own, and I lose five thousand dollars. And I'm like, oh man, I, you know, I thought I was buying it low enough, and I thought it would be valued higher. And I just learned there was just so many things that I didn't know, right? And then I do another deal with somebody else, and I make like, I don't know, seven or nine thousand. My first year, I made like seventeen thousand dollars doing three flips, which isn't a lot of money, but it was helpful for me in kind of getting started. And then I did one of those expensive uh, programs that you you know sign up for and you go yeah. and you do several weekend trainings and it was like a forty thousand dollar program. And then I spent some more money on individual coaching and upwards of about seventy thousand dollars back in two thousand fifteen and the beginning of sixteen. Mm -hmm. and i i started to learn how to invest and then i started investing more with my buddy and and so that's kind of what got me started and then in 2017 there was a shift we went from flipping houses in 15 and 16 to we went to a training by a guy named john burley he's based out of arizona and i like to mention him because he does this at a super high level, does a really good job on teaching people how to do lease options. Mm -hmm. So we went to his training, which was super affordable. We learned about doing lease options, and then we took what we were doing by finding properties really under market value. And then we took his lease option training, we brought it together. (laughs) And so we started to buy properties and sell them on lease options. Mm -hmm. And doing that, along with my education program, where I got some great contacts, for banks and other things like that, I was able to get like a couple million dollars in loans for like 17 properties in 2017. And then we just went from 17 to 52 to 81. And then we bought some mobile home parks. And then in the pandemic in 2020, we bought, <coughs> excuse me, we bought 100 units that year and we scaled up until 2022 when we had about 250 properties together, my buddy and I. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my story. And um, there's a lot more details to it, but that's kind of the overview of my story. Um, we, We learned how to work with banks a lot in order to scale. I learned how to get credit lines in order to scale. I learned how to raise a lot of private money in order to scale. And that was actually probably one of the biggest things that helped us continue to grow, is we were finding these properties. We were buying them under market value. And when we would go get a loan, because at the time, the way that we were buying them under market value, the the banks would only give us like a certain percentage, like 80% of what we bought it for plus what we rehabbed it for. So we Mm -hmm. were getting loans of like 60% of the value. It's really hard to scale when you're getting loans at 60% of the value. And so I learned how to bring on investors that wanted to learn how to invest in real estate i created a whatsapp group and i would add them if they would lend to us on our deals i would add them to the whatsapp group i do a lot of updates so they could see what we were doing and they could learn along the way and um we would put second position notes behind the long-term debt we would Mm -hmm. put a second position note and we would leverage the property up to like 75 to 80 percent and mm-hmm. so that way we didn't have to leave so much of our own money into the deal
0: and, and rates were low back
1: participate then. yeah exactly and rates were low back then that it made it so that we were able to um still cash flow a little bit but we were able to you know create all of these chunks of equity and then we were able to refinance into like a portfolio loan pay off our first mortgages pay off the second mortgages and start cash flowing much more at the time so that's one of the things that really helped us scale was using these second position notes by these private investors that wanted to learn how to invest in real estate.
0: Yeah. I, I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to a guy on mobile home parks with a vendor finance. He was getting vendor financing combined with bank financing to, to get up to like 110%. So it was like that, that option or that, ability to put two people together on that note can really be powerful when figuring out how to you know get the equity out of these things because the bank you're right it's they're they're making a business decision about their own lending you know nothing to do people get sometimes confused they're like oh the bank doesn't like me it's like well no the bank is just a business so you know don't feel any type of way we can get the the note from the, the second position so what do you you'd mentioned uh, before the show that now you've split that portfolio with your partner, you've split it in half. And um have you got are you guys still working together? Or are you gone separate yeah. ways? What's that like? So he, he's one of my best friends, and he's
1: still one of my best friends. And and when we start out, when we started out in 17, like deciding to do a business together, rather than just doing these one-off flips together, we started to actually create, we decided to create a business. We decided that business was going to be a five-year business. And the reason we decided that is because, you know, things change in over time Mm -hmm. and we wanted to have a a plan and and a purpose for that business. And the purpose for the business was create money so that we could do things that we wanted to do. He wanted to build a a really nice home, like a, a, I think it's like a six or $7,000 home that he's in the middle of building. And um, so we decided, okay, we were going to work really hard. We didn't take any cash flow from the bit, from the company for the first like four years. Mm-hmm. Everything that we were building was going right back into it. I had my therapy practice to support my, my um, monthly expenses for my yeah. personal life. And he had his real estate company and selling some properties and, and buying properties for buyers and things like that that helped him um, sustain himself and his company. And everything else just stayed in, in the company. Mm-hmm. So... Over the five year period of us working together, it actually became six years, we we gained or we were able to build up a, a portfolio of about 20, what was it? I think it was like up to including all of our real estate. I think it was like a 29 million dollars of real estate is what we owned. And our equity piece in in our company that we built, um, just the company that the properties that we had was like million. I had money in my own personal portfolios that I had, but in our company that we had, we built a company that had equity of $8 million in, in just a five year period of time. And it was awesome. And then we decided, okay, we're this, you know, we have to kind of continue with what we were planning. Let's go ahead and split the company. He took our North Carolina properties. I kept our Arizona properties and, um, And that way we didn't have to sell everything that we, I don't know, we didn't have to sell everything in order to cash out. We were able Mm -hmm. to sell some of our properties to to each other.
0: And then we were able to
1: each other. Well, well, we, I mean, the way that we did it was just, uh, we, we did it in a tax advantage way so that we didn't have to pay capital gains on the split of the company. So Mm -hmm. as long as it was, it was basically even, he took um some of the companies because we had several companies together we had about six he took some of the companies i took the other companies and we made it you know we evened everything out and still we have two uh, two properties left that we're selling that are in common um besides our mobile home parks that we still have in common which have about 100 units in those still so mm-hmm. he has he had about 50 out in north carolina had about 30 here in arizona and then um so that's kind of what we did but we're still good friends we still have properties in common. And and it's awesome because he's now in the middle of or finishing building his house. And, and I was able to take some of the profits that I had made over the years and do some really fun projects and things that are meaningful to me. Like right now, I'm sitting here in one of my cabins in Lakeside, Arizona. It's a beautiful cabin. It's like 3,500 square feet. It has seven bedrooms. Uh, I rented out on Airbnb. We can have up to 26 people here. So people will come and do family reunions here and and a bunch of things like that. And that's what I really wanted. I wanted a cabin in the woods. And then I actually got another cabin that sleeps about a mile away, sleeps another 26. And so you can have huge family reunions, just have a great time. And then the other thing that I I really wanted was I wanted to uh, have some awesome properties down in Costa Rica. And I was able to do that. I used to live in Costa Rica, met some wonderful people there. And I started taking my kids there on trips, just, you know, trips, just them and me, like one at a time. And as I was on those trips, I had already started doing real estate again. And I thought, you know, I would love to own a property here. And so I started, you know, keeping my eyes open to what was available And you know how people have vision boards, right? Mm -hmm. On my vision board, I had a really cool property that was like um, uh, a big main house. And then it had, you know, some guest houses and it had a, you know, a caretaker's house on the property. And it's like, you know, several acres or whatever. (laughs) Excuse me. And then one day I'm just kind of looking through some properties that I'm finding on some obscure, you know, websites for Costa Rica real estate. Mm-hmm. And I see this property. And it's on a mountaintop. It's on two and a half acres. It has a main house, it has a guest house, it has this little shop. And it was trying to be sold at 1.25 million. And then they dropped the price to 750 thousand. Oh wow. And I'm like, hmm. There's a story here. Let's find out the story. So I called the seller's realtor and I said, hey, I'm seeing this house. I'm really interested. I'd like to know more about it. He said, well, the, the owner is older and he's kind of getting uh, you know sick. And so he just can't take care of the two and a half acre property. And so he's looking to sell it. And we posted it right at the beginning of the pandemic and they shut down travel to Costa Rica So we haven't been able to show it to anybody. And so now he's at a place where he really does need to sell it. And I thought, hmm, all right, well, let's see what I can do. I didn't have 750,000 that I could just go and throw at at a property in Costa Rica. Neither would my wife feel happy that I just took 750,000 and threw it at a property that I wanted. So I thought, well, I wonder if the person, the seller was willing to do some like a seller carry. What if I was Mm -hmm. able to bring half in And then the seller could carry the other half and then we would just, you know, pay it over time. Yeah, Right. And at first the seller agreed to do that. And so we went out there to take a look at the property and it was amazing. It's on a mountaintop. And so the next neighbor is on the next mountaintop. (laughs) And when you drive up the, the, um, and you can see these things like on my um, Instagram and things like that because I have some videos of it and things. But when you drive up the driveway, it, it's like going through the um, like a Jurassic Park scene, you know, as you're yeah. going because you have all of these palm trees and then you go up and it's all this, you know, rainforest area and, and you go up and it looks absolutely beautiful. That, the main house was five bedrooms, three and a half bathrooms and just a really nice European style home. Mm -hmm. And so we're there and we're looking at it. I'm like, wow, this is nice. And um, we do like this tour so we can kind of see, you know, what would need to be fixed up and things like that. It didn't have any central AC. It didn't have, you know, any AC units in there. And so I'm like, okay, well, if we were to buy this, the only way I could justify doing it is that I would need to make, have it make money for me. that's where I could adjust it, uh, justify it to my wife. Right. Yeah. And so we got kind of, I had a contractor there with me who I'd known for 20 years um, and he was there and he kind of went through the house with me and kind of, we made a list of repairs that needed to be done. And then the seller said that he decided not to do seller financing, that Mm -hmm. he just wanted to sell it in in cash. I'm like, all right, well, if you want to sell it in cash, then I don't know if I can do it. So I was feeling kind of down, talked with my buddy and my buddy says, dude, I'll do the deal with you and we'll get other people to do the deal with us. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right. So now I felt energized. I'm like, okay, we can do this. I then started talking with family. Well, I started talking with friends and people that I knew that had some money that would like to have a house in Costa Rica. And so I was able to raise, um, about Mm $900,000, uh, no, what was it? Sorry. $800,000 um but we ended up raising just a little bit more so it was about 900 altogether, um amongst nine investors and or nine partners and we came yeah. in and we bought the house we then um did some renovations put ac units you know these little wall units throughout the whole main house and the guest house we turned the caretaker or we turned the shop shed yeah the in, shop yeah, to a and it was like a i don't know it was like a 1000 square foot shop we turned that into the caretaker's house so they have like a little two bedroom one bathroom home there on the property. And then so funny, after after we bought it, and we're doing all of these renovations. I go down there to take a look at it and I find that one of the one of the workers is kind of walking through this like fence area towards the bottom of the the property. And I ask the my contractor I'm like, "What's that guy doing?" He's like, "I should probably just taking a pee." I'm like, "But where is he coming from?" He said, "Well, you know that the area down there that you own." I'm like, "What do you mean? I don't know I own another area." It's like, "Yeah, let me show you." So we go down, we open up the fence area, and there's this cool little area that was probably about I don't know, maybe um probably about 2,000 square feet, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe 2,000 to 3,000 square feet of this cool area that was surrounded by trees that have this beautiful view of this valley. I'm like, this is mine? He's like, yeah, I'm like, dude, let's build something here. And so we built this really cool tiny house right there. Mm-hmm. And it over it looks it has this overview of this beautiful valley and everything. And, and so we put that on the property as well. And it was just awesome. And so that's one of the things that I did because of the success that I had here in the States in real estate, I was able to then um, transition into doing these lifestyle investments with my two cabins in Arizona and this really cool property there in Costa Rica. And then one of my business partners said, you know what, someone I I had other people reaching out to me and they were disappointed that they weren't able to get into this deal and they want to do a deal with us in in Costa Rica. So then we decided to buy a a property on the beach. So we have this really cool property place called Playa Avellanas, which is just a half hour South of Tamarindo. And we bought this beach house, which is just like a three minute walk to the beach It was a four-bedroom, five-bathroom when we bought it. We turned it into a six-bedroom, seven-bathroom, plus uh, another caretaker apartment on the property. Mm -hmm. So we have people that live on our properties full-time, and they take care of all of the guests that come because we rent them out on Airbnb. So the one um, on the beach is called Johnny's Beach Bungalow. The one up in the mountains is called um, Bella Vista Retreat. And, and it's awesome because these places can sleep like 24 to 26 people. And so I'll hold retreats out of them. And then my last one that I bought, because I had a house in the mountains, I had a house on the beach. So then I just bought a few months ago, a house in the most tourist area of Costa Rica. It's in the rainforest, (coughs) just outside of a city called La Fortuna. Mm -hmm. And it's called the, the Majestic Lodge. And it's just on the South side of Lake Arenal absolutely beautiful you have the view of the volcano you have the view of the lake and anybody that comes to it just loves it it's an eight bedroom 11 bathroom home we're putting another story on top it's going to be a 10 or 11 bedroom like 12 bathroom home when we're done it's going to be the largest vacation rental in the whole area and um, it is just such a fun place to go and so to me i'm so grateful for real estate because it's provided me opportunities to do these really fun things with my family i'll bring my family there i have a, a family of 7 and then i i run retreats out of them and uh people will bring big groups down there and just really enjoy it so that to me has been what what real estate has done for me it's opened up these lifestyle type of investments for me
0: yeah cuz some you know like that story is the kind not the, necessarily the end game, but people sometimes forget that it took a it took a relatively um I'm not gonna say boring business to get there, but it wasn't um all mountaintop houses in Costa Rica. It was you know flipping property and owning things in um Arizona, what was this northern um state again? Where you North had Carolina. the other half? It was North Carolina. Yeah. yeah so these aren't those weren't the flashy things, but it took boring business. I always say that boring business is like a car wash, and you know you can't really go around bragging, "Oh, I own all these car washes." But people put dollars, you know, put their money into the car wash, and it, and it makes money one day. So now that you've got all these um, resort properties, you know what what does the next twelve months look look like for you? Where are you guys going with this, or what are you spending your time now that you've kind of reached that level in your business? <laughs>
1: So I think right now, uh, a big thing that I'm doing is focusing on stabilizing. So there's been a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. And so you, you grow, stabilize, grow, stabilize, grow, stabilize. Right. And so yeah. with the division of the company, um, it, and it's always kind of hard to you know build something and then divide it, you know what I mean? And so it's taken about a year to to work through the all of the properties. And we have properties mm-hmm. in common that we're selling and things like that and so um and then with growth you know i, I bought probably i don't know in the last couple of months probably three or four properties and and i'm just you know getting them um rehabbed right now and then i'll get them rented or, or i i do a lot of lease options so i'll, I'll bring in tenant buyers to come in and mm-hmm. uh, but i get you know top quality tenants and and they're there because they're looking to buy the property and. And I talk a lot about, um, lease options and in, in some of the podcasts that I do, or some of the um, social media stuff that I do. Um, cause I think that lease options is a great strategy, but, um, so right now we're uh, trying to fill those ones that we have. And then oh, I'm buying a couple more towards the end of the month. I'm selling one, going do a 1031 exchange and buy two. And so I think that's just kind of what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to, really work on stabilizing it. So my wife kind of became my new partner in in helping me with the books and everything like that to make sure that we're we're growing according to what we can sustain. Because there were some times where we were finding really great deals. So what we would do is we would buy them and we would put them in the queue in order to get to when we got the cash and when we got the time. But the problem is you have to pay for carrying costs for these vacant properties and it got pretty bad to where we were last year um somebody else was doing our books and i'm like man we just sold so many properties we really should have a lot more in the accounts why is it that i feel my accounts keep going down so much we finally took the books back and we took a deep look at the books and we realized that we were negatively cash flowing like sixty thousand dollars a month yeah and that came from not really well sustained growth we were buying good deals and i think we were really rescued by the fact that the market was going up so much but but we were just buying so many and we weren't getting them turned quick enough and getting mm-hmm. them tenanted quick enough to have enough money coming in to sustain the yeah, growth stabilized. Having. and yeah. so that was a big lesson that i learned and so i've slowed down my buying to buy, to, I really only want like five or six properties that are are vacant at a time. Mm-hmm. I want everything else to be filled. I don't want to have 30% vacant, which is what we had at the time. And that was way too much. And, and yeah. it's very
0: difficult to cash. when you have a, a portfolio that's 30%. Well, that can sink your business. That can sink, you know, yeah. if you're not watching you, that can creep up on you. So here's another
1: thing. Anybody that wants to scale, this is what I would suggest. Make sure that you watch your your numbers watch your numbers make sure that you are doing your books regularly so you can see what's going on month over month yeah before we were growing and we were feeling great and our accountant would say hey you guys are doing great here's what last year looked like he would tell this us this like in in june about how it looked last year yeah but we were getting a month to month this is what your business looks like today You just would just give us a review, uh, you know, six months later of how well we did the the last year. And I learned that's not what you want to do. If you're growing, it's so important. Cash is the blood of your your business. If you don't have cash, if the cash stops, you die. You have to be mindful of the uh, income and outgo of, of your company. And don't grow too quickly. There's an analogy that I have that I planted a peach tree. A peach tree. This was several years ago. It was mm. a small peach tree and it started to grow and then it started to bloom and it started to get peaches. And it was so exciting to go out there and see these little peaches grow. And they started off as little peaches and then they got bigger and they got bigger. And, they, and now they started looking like legitimate sized peaches, but there was a lot of them. And the branches that were sustaining these peaches were like a half an inch in diameter. And I'm like, Hmm, I started seeing the peach tree branches going, you know, lower and lower and lower and i came to a realization that if i don't take off some of these peaches even though they're not right and and throw them away then i'm going to lose these branches and so to me that's a a really good analogy of the idea of growth be careful not to grow more than what you can sustain because if you do then you can likely lose everything you don't want to lose everything so even though you may think, oh, I can make money here and I can make money over here um, as well and I can make money over here. Be careful because uh, you can't sustain them all at the same time. So get something growing, something sustained, something that's going well, and then you say, okay, this was good. This is kind of on autopilot now. Now I know how to run this and this is great. Like I have my therapy practice still. I still meet with like 15 to 20 clients a week. Uh, That's on autopilot. I know how to do counseling. I -hmm. still, you know, improve my counseling skills and things like that. But but I've done this so much. I have my 10,000 hours. I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I can can switch over and now I've been doing lease options for five or six years. I know how to do those. I know how to do them well. And so that. That business is sustained. Now I'm moving into short-term rentals where I have my two cabins, my three properties in Costa Rica. And I'm turning, i I have some coaching that's that's teaching me how to take these properties and, and make them into super properties, how to make people have a high desire to come to these properties. You know what I mean? So and then I'm gonna focus on that for the next few years so that I can have that on autopilot because I know how to do it so well. So that's what I would suggest. I really like you know, the example of Benjamin Franklin who followed this model where he was a really good writer and then, and then, um, became, uh, an owner of a printing press. And then he franchised printing presses was one of the first franchisers ever. And mm-hmm. so he would go and he'd help people set up printing presses and then he did some rentals. And so, and then he went into his next phase of life, which was an inventor and he invented all of these really cool things. Maybe something that you do or don't know, but he invented the lightning rod mm-hmm. and which is really cool. And then he made it open source so that everybody in the world could learn how to have the lightning rod. So when lightning struck a house, it didn't explode like it used to. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he had all of these really cool things. And then he did that and he had so many people respect him. Then he went into politics. And I think that, know i know that you're from canada but here in the states i mean he is a huge hero he's on our hundred dollar bill because if it weren't for him um he was probably the single most character in the development of our country than anybody else and i mean he had these very distinct you know periods of his life where he did some amazing things
0: kind of the entrepreneur framework right he's he's like the 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 grandfather of the progressive entrepreneur so you know, with with all you've accomplished so far in your business, what is it that you're that you're planning? You know, we had talked before the show that you do uh, help people, and you are um, building out those properties in uh, Costa Rica as well. That you're looking for potentially some people to partner with you on that on that property. Can you tell the people yeah. at home a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, my first property, you know, I, I have nine partners on, and then mm-hmm. my next property, the
1: beach property, we have 10 partners on. Mm-hmm. And so I've already gone through a lot of the people that I, I knew personally and brought them into these deals. And so this, this last one that I just purchased, I'm um, back in August, um, that's in La Fortuna or just outside of La Fortuna right now, there's myself and then two other partners. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that one, I'm going to, I'm looking towards getting seven people, together seven partners in that deal so i'm going to be looking for four more partners on
0: on that okay. deal and what ideally because there's there's you know that you want short short partners and short deals and long partners and long deals so sure. ideally what type of partner are you looking for for the strategy that you're employing out there so the one in, in la fortuna is is set up to
1: be a seven-year play okay, okay. so so somebody's going to come in, and they they'll come in with um, the buy-in for, that we we've, we've determined for this is one hundred and ten thousand. They're coming in with one hundred and ten thousand. They then have rights to the property. They can go and spend a week, at um, the property, uh, the whole place, and enjoy it. We have vehicles that come with the property as well. We have caretakers mm-hmm. that make breakfast, and so it's just an awesome place to be. Um, But they come in, they can use the whole place for one week a year. They can also use up to a couple rooms for another week a year if they want to do Mm -hmm. two weeks, right? And so during the first um, four to five years, we're going to be paying off the seller financing. So this one, I actually did get seller financing to come in and and pay for half, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, the money that comes in from the partners are going to go towards the um, caretaker apartment that we're in the middle of building and putting on that, that other story up top and some of the costs of staging and everything like that. So it is actually up and running right now. I've, I've put in a big chunk of, of my money in order to do this. And so as new partners come in, I'll be able to get reimbursed for the amount of money that I've put in. Cause I, I have five of the the seven shares myself. And so I'm looking for four more people that want to come in and then um it's a seven-year play At year seven we can decide to sell it and then if we decide to sell it at that point then everybody gets paid their original uh money they put in plus you know uh the their portion of the profits that come Mm in so that's really the the idea and then um and that's that's pretty much it that's how the 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 partnership goes and their part of the partnership is is not just bringing the the cash but then also um advertising for it you know putting on their social media talking with people
0: encouraging people that want to go to Costa Rica to stay at
1: our place so that's also their portion of, of the
0: partnership and you mentioned that you use these these buildings and that these short-term rentals and stuff as retreats um as part of your you know ongoing education for people that are interested in you know learning from you or from the people that you know how does that how does that work or how do they yeah. Um, participate. So, in
1: that. so because these properties are large, I can bring groups there. And so I can bring groups of like 12 to 17 people there. And, um, so they come there and then I will teach them how to invest in real estate. And I teach people, you know, that are usually pretty new. They want to learn, okay, how can I buy a property? Um, you know, under market value and, you know, create value and, and, and scale more quickly. And so I'll teach them how to do that and how to do it responsibly and, and scale well. Cause I've, I've learned how to do both, you know, scale irresponsibly and how to scale responsibly. Um, But I also teach them how to do lease option model. Lease option model has been fantastic for us. And so and how to be able to raise private money and and things like that. And so really, I teach them kind of the five F's and one M of investing, how to find properties under market value, how to get them fixed up uh, or sorry, how to get initial funding, right? How to work with hard money lenders, private money lenders, how to get them fixed up What's what would be something to fix up, and what wouldn't be something to fix up? Most people that are new over um, repair
0: or over fix the property in the very yeah, beginning, fixing, like as if they're going to live there, and you know, yeah. profit centers. And yeah, you have to you have to determine
1: who is going to be my tenant that's going to come in here, who's going to be my lease option buyer that's going to come and buy this property. And sometimes I'll fix a ton of things, and sometimes I don't. It just depends on. What the condition of the property was in the first place because if, if the property is like uh, absolutely horrible then i'm going to come in and i'm going to fix it and make it nice mm-hmm. because if i'm already putting in new countertops i'm going to put in nice countertops but mm-hmm. i'm already putting in you know new drywall i'm going to paint the whole place and i'm going to make it look nice if i have to redo the flooring i'm going to put in nice flooring so <clears throat> um but there's properties that i'll buy that are dated and i'm like you know what i don't have to put in a whole bunch of stuff i'm going to bring in a lease option buyer the person that moves in, I'm going to let them know, hey, I want you to customize this house according to how you would like. And then when you go to mm-hmm. buy the property, I'll give you kind of um, – I'll take the the purchase price and we'll lower it according to what you've spent on the materials to, to make the house Thank customized for you. Person, yeah. So I work with these people in, in helping them become homeowners. And it's been awesome. So I teach people how to do that, right? So how to find, how to get initial funding, how to get it fixed up and then how to find a tenant buyer or just a tenant, you know, depending on what Mm -hmm. they want to do and then how to get long-term financing. Mm -hmm. I would say that I'm an expert in how to get long-term financing and it starts with the property that you're buying. So you have to really begin with the end in mind when it comes to buying, when it comes to being a real estate investor because you have to know how is the bank that's going to ultimately refinance this property? How are they going to look at it? Mm -hmm. So I do some specific things when I buy a property, so that um, when the bank goes to refinance it, I get really good terms. And a lot of times, I don't leave a lot of money into into my deals anymore because I learned how to do this so that I don't have to leave a ton of money into the deals. Now yeah. I don't get sixty percent. Um, Loans because they only want to give me 80% of what I bought it for, plus what I rehabbed it for. Most of the time, I'm getting all of my money back out. Even now, when interest rates are so high, and it's important that you also recognize which properties are going to cash flow, which are not, with the interest rates where they're at right now. Mm -hmm. I tend to buy just below the median price point. It's a great demand for properties right there. And that's also a place where you can cash flow, is below the median price point. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't do D class I usually am doing um, between C minus and B minus that's where I'm at Mm -hmm. and I try to do it below the median price point so anyway um, so I'll teach them how to do that and then I teach them um, how to do how to manage the properties and I have um, you know because of the size of my properties I have an assistant and my assistant helps me manage a lot of my properties and it's important because I also have a therapy practice that I'm mm-hmm. still providing therapy. And then I have an assistant that will take care of a lot of my properties. And also because I have a lot of lease option properties,
0: I don't have a lot of need to, you know, from the tenants that become, you know. Yeah, because my... they, they want to own the house. They're not calling you about the hot water tank. They're exactly they're <laughs> taking care of it. And, um, and a lot of it's expectations
1: that are set up up front so that they know, you know, what to call me about if they do call me and what not to call me about and um and then i just train my assistant to to help out with that and so they call her and she tends to take care of the things that need to be taken care of and so it makes it easier for me to focus on finding properties scaling and things like that so yeah that's kind of what you do But like like right now moving forward my goal is to manage my short-term rentals really well um get them performing really really well so that the the partners are getting a good return and Mm -hmm. then also like buy between six and 12 and sell between six and 12 every year. And as Mm -hmm. I do that, I'm just going to be doing the 1031 exchange. I'll sell, I'll trade it in, bring them in. And then every time I do that, then I can pull out a chunk without needing to pay taxes on it because it's a loan that I pull out after I do the 1031 exchange and then just keep trading up. And I'll probably do that for a long time. Um, It's a very good model uh, of how to have a good income, um, just doing this trade up model and I have, uh, I have some videos, I do have a YouTube channel. I have some videos on there where I explain about this trading up and, and things like that. Um, cause it's a great model to, to use.
0: Yeah. So that, that kind of brings us to the, to the last question of the show is like, if people want to find out more, connect with you, invest with you, what should they do? So um, as I mentioned, I do have a YouTube
1: channel. If you go to shilohvideos.com, that's S-H-I-L-O-H videos.com, that'll take you straight to my YouTube channel. Um, also, if you want to find my contact information, go to meetshiloh.com, M-E-E-T-S-H-I-L-O-H.com. And there you can, I'm still kind of working on my business card. It still has some updates to do, but you can go there. You can find my number. You can find my um my different links to my different things that I have and and you mm-hmm. can connect with me that way. So those are the best two ways to get a hold of me.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure the, uh, the listeners at home are going to be uh, heading to those sites because it's a very interesting story. Really appreciate uh, you letting us know. And you know, those are, those are the big dreams that people start into this real estate business to eventually achieve. So I hope we inspired some people today and I appreciate your time. Thanks so
1: much. I really appreciate you guys uh, inviting me to be on your podcast. So thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Well, until next time, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode.